I'll say uh, one more time, thank you for being here. I'm so glad that you guys uh, decided to be at this uh, leadership uh, session that we're doing as a church. And before I get started, I just want to say thank you. That's the first thing I want to say is just thank you. And I want to say thank you just for so many reasons. But one of the reasons is because we've been through a lot as a church. We've been through so much. We were inside, outside, online, just all kinds of different ways. And uh, you guys have stood the test of time. You guys are here. I am so glad that you guys are here. And uh, I made a little video for you guys. Uh, I want you guys to watch the video. It's a short video and then we'll keep going. Now to growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting the U.S. We are choosing to move our remaining services for the month of March to an online format rather than in person. We're not here in person, but it doesn't matter. We are still connected through the internet. I am very happy to announce that our plans are to resume indoor services on Easter Sunday, April 4th. So I just, I just, just thank you, thank you, because uh, some some churches, some churches didn't make it through. Some churches now are, are bar barely holding on. And so, if you're here, um, and your staff, and you're an elder of our church, or you're uh, leading a growth group, or uh, you're a part of a serve team, uh, wherever whatever area you're in, I just from the bottom of my heart, from our church, we want to say thank you, thank you for persevering, and thank you for making, uh, for making this happen. And so. So I just want to start by saying, <clears throat> what is this gathering all about? Like, why, why are we here? Why, why would you guys give up an afternoon of napping in your houses and come here, right? Why would you guys take this time? So clearly you're curious, and I just want to share my heart with you is what I want to do. I want to open up my heart with you. Um, I'm calling this family time. This is, like a, this is like family time. I don't know if you guys do family time at your house. There's these moments when you're, you know, you just stop for a minute and you just take a moment as a family. Um, you have to do a bunch of things during the week with your family. You go, you know, gas and then go to school and go to the grocery store, all those things. But then you take a moment and you stop. I've, I've done this with my family before. You just stop for a moment and you're like, how are you guys doing? How's, how's, how's life? Is there anything that's concerning you? And so this is what this is really 
about. It's about stopping for a minute and reassessing and rediscovering why we do what we do. And so I want to start off with a question this afternoon. Have you ever been tired? <laughs> Have you ever been burned out? Are you burned out right now? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Too many hands, right? It's true. Like, do you guys understand what burnout comes from? Burnout, common knowledge says that burnout is a result of too much work. But the reality is that burnout isn't really a result of too much work. It's a result of not having a reason, not having a purpose, of not understanding why you're doing what you're doing. And the same can happen in church. I mean, in church, we can get busy. We do all kinds of stuff. We come to church. There's the worship. There's all these things that we do. But I think it's very important that we, can, that we understand that as a church, we can also get burned out. And the reason why we can get burned out is because maybe we haven't revisited um, recently why we do what we do. And so I think that we sometimes start out with a wrong question, like not just collectively, but even individually. Like, we start off with the wrong question. We can start by saying what? Like, for example, what do you want to do? Like, oh, let's see. I want to start a bakery. Okay, that's your what. And then you n normally move right on to the how. So what's the, what's the how? Well, I have to, you know, s start an online store. And then soon after that, you're burned out, right? Um, you want to sell cars. You know, that's your what? How? Well, you need to get a loan. And then you get to buy a bunch of cars and start selling them. And then soon after that, you're burned out. I mean, this can happen to all of us and it can happen collectively. Why? Because sometimes you just don't know why you're doing what you do. When you understand why you're doing what you're doing, individually or collectively, it will help you stand the test of time and you'll be able to get through the heartache and the hard times. And so, do you guys know who Harriet Tubman was? Yep. We have a picture of her there. She was, a, she was an American abolitionist from the 1800s who freed 300 black slaves. Do you guys know who uh, Rosalie Bradford was? She holds the Guinness World Record for the heaviest woman. And she lost 917 pounds. Do you guys know who Chris Gardner is? You guys remember uh, The Pursuit of Happiness? That's Chris Gardner. Homeless guy ended up being a millionaire. We've all heard stories of the, the mom that lifts the car to save her kids, right? These people weren't extraordinary people. All these people had was a strong enough why behind what they were doing. They had a reason. They found their why. The same can happen to us in church. You see, as a church, I would say that our vision, even though I don't think we've articulated it specifically, but our vision as a church is to reach the city of Downey with the message of Jesus. I mean, that's as simple as I, as I can put it. And that's great. It's a great vision. But why? Like, why would we do that? Do we have a strong enough why? Do we even know what our why is? If I asked you what our why is, would you know what it is and so that's what I want to talk about today so we can together discover why we do what we do because as a church we know we know what we do we know the first thing we know what we do right love God love people serve the world love God love people serve the world that's the what right so we have that and we've had that for a while do we know um, how we do it 
We know how we do it as well. Sunday church, growth groups, and serve teams. So we, ha we have the what, and we have the how, right? Love God, love people, serve the world, and the how is Sunday church, growth groups, and serve teams. And I actually love that. I love the fact that we understand what we do. I, I love the fact that we understand how we do it. Because a lot of churches, they're like a buffet, right? And so you have a buffet, and then everything looks good on the buffet, but you don't know where to start, right? And by the time you're able to finish, or you're not able to finish until there's some food that you haven't even tried yet. So I love the fact that as a church, we've narrowed it down to, the, to these three things. Um, but we have to understand why we do what we do. Because if we don't understand the why behind what we do, we will lose steam. And we will not stand the test of time. So here's the question again. This is the big question for today. Is why do we do what we do? One of the things that we do before we start a service is we have a, a pre-service huddle. So anyone that's going to be on stage, we have this huddle and we just kind of, we go through the schedule and then we talk about a few things. But the best part of that meeting, right, Francis, is when we share a story. Like, we'll share a story of someone getting baptized. Or we'll share a story of someone who I think is coming to church today for the first time, we'll say. Or someone who, who didn't have hope and then they came to church and then they came back and they brought a friend, right? So we talk about those stories and then we end that by saying, and this is why we do what we do. And that's literally the best part because it, it gives context to everything that we're doing. And so... If we don't start with why, no matter if you're an elder, a serve team leader, a growth group leader, staff, or part of a team, when it gets tough, and it does, right Marty? It gets tough, right? And you don't know, you forget why you do what you, why you do what you do, and you forget that, you will not stand the test of time. When things get hard, you will not make it through. I've seen it happen way too often. Like, I love being a pastor. I love it. I believe God called me to be a pastor. I believe God called me to pastor this church. I have no doubt in my mind. But it's not easy. It's not easy. Heart heartache, constant criticism, constant stories of brokenness, tragedy, pain, death, relational tension, and it never stops. It never stops. It's continuous. If I lost sight of why I do what I do, I would crash and burn. But I have to remember that. So what I want to share with you today is my why. This is my personal why, which should be your why as well, and should be the why of our entire church, because the why that I'm going to share with you is the why of Jesus. This is Jesus's why. This is why he did what he did. And the why is connected to two of our core values. Two of our core values. One, people are our passion. And number two, hope is our flag. So we're going to go to Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 36. I think we have it there. And it says this. We're going to read this. This is Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like, like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus sees the crowd. And he sees them as hopeless or helpless. And this, the, what he sees as helpless produces in him, what does it produce? Compassion. Compassion. And so my question to you this afternoon is, when you see people, what do you see? 
What do you feel when you see people? This is what helps me because I want to always answer compassion, but it's not always what I feel <laughs> when I see people. It's not always what I feel, but, but I know what I, need, what I should feel. And here's what helps me. Here's what helps me is that in my life, I have a before and after, just like you. I have a before and after. I grew up religious and I, and I realized that religion was a prison and I wanted out of that prison and so I wanted to be free and so I went the other way to debauchery, to living however I wanted to live because I thought that that was freedom. But then I realized that that freedom that I thought was freedom was actually a prison. And then I got out of that prison, they were both prisons, and then I got out of that prison and I met Jesus, which ironically, in a jail cell. And then I got out. I love that. And, that, and my story is your story. You have a before and after, and your story has three parts. Before you met Jesus, the moment that you met Jesus, and the life that you have now as a result of your encounter with Jesus. And so the reason why I share this is because here, here's what I want to ask you to do. Is I want you to think about your life before Christ. I want you to think about how hopeless and helpless you were before you met Jesus. When I think about that, it helps me feel compassion for people. Because I realized that that person that doesn't have Christ, that was me before. And the result of that is compassion. You see, I say this to my staff all the time. People, this, this is kind of harsh, but people, they, they walk around constantly living with the, the, the absurdity of their own existence. They're carrying this weight of the absurdity of their own existence. Because life without Christ is absurd, and I've said this before. Best case scenario of someone without Christ, perfect health, perfect spouse, perfect kid, perfect finances, perfect relationships, if they don't have Christ, they know in the back of their minds, even though they don't wanna think about it, that at the end of the day, they're gonna lose everything, and then they have no idea what's on the other side of eternity. That's the best case scenario without Jesus. And so this in us should create compassion, just like Jesus, and should, uh, because they have no hope. And when we see that, we need to try to not just be annoyed about it. Remember your life before Jesus, and remember that should produce in you compassion. Because here's what, happen what, what happens. People walk around life, and I'm going to brag about my... Uh, this was a gift, by the way. Somebody, I'm not going to embarrass the person that gave, but someone from our church gave me this. These are um, AirPods. Ooh. So you put these in, right? And they have a feature. I can, even, I can barely hear you. They have a feature that's noise cancellation. And so this is how people walk around in their lives without Jesus, like this. They just walk around. They're walking around their life, and they can't hear anything. They can't, they can't connect anything. But at some point in their life, these, they come off. These come off. You know what these earphones are in people's life? It's busyness, it's success, it's addictions, it's social media, it's family, it's all these distractions. But then something happens in their life and these, these earphones, they come out, they come off. Through what? Tragedy, they lose their home, they get a divorce, they have, a, they have something in their life and all of a sudden these come out and they don't come out for very long because sooner or later they, come, they put them back in. But this is the moment when we come in. This is the moment when we come into people's lives and we bring them the hope of Jesus. That's the moment 
that people need. We have, like most people that come to, I'm telling you, most people that come to, to our church for the first time, they're in a transition in their life. Something has happened in their life, and that's the moment when they're looking for something. Like, they, we don't, they don't know what they're looking for. They're looking for something. And those earphones come off. And so that's when we come in. And so <clears throat> people desperately need a place where they can find healing, where can, they can find hope, where they can find connection, where they can find purpose, where they can find life. And this is why we're here. This is, this is what Jesus wants to use us to do. We're not doing it, but we're being used by him to bring hope into people's life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You see, the reason, the reason why we do what we do is because people are hopeless. People are hopeless. Just like you were. Just like I was. And we have this living hope that people so desperately need. And this living hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. That is old school, but it's so true. Jesus is the answer. And this is not available anywhere else. You see, a psychologist will give you therapy. A psychiatrist will give you a pill. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But we offer living hope in Jesus. That's what we offer. Luke chapter 4, 18 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Jesus came to bring hope, freedom, and good news. And the church is still the hope of the world. You are the church. You are. You are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the hope providers. Jesus chooses to use us to give the hope to the world. We have to make that our why for everything that we do. But this is very important because this starts individually. It starts with me. It starts with you. In fact, I have a daily declaration that I do every morning when I, when I have my, my prayer time. I say this every morning. My wife's laughing because I'm sharing some private stuff, but it's fine. I, I do this because I have to, I have to um, set myself up in the truths of who God created me to be. Because sometimes I'll lie to myself or the enemy will lie to me, like a bunch of things that are just aren't helpful, and I'll say these things to myself. I say this to myself. I bring hope to everyone at every, time, every, at every moment whenever possible. So whenever I can, whenever it's possible, I make it my goal to bring hope into your life. Like I want for when we talk and then you leave, I want you to have more hope than what you had when you came in. That's my goal, and that's it, and it's the hope of Christ. So ask yourself that question. I try to ask myself that question all the time in my interaction with the barista at Starbucks. Sorry, Starbucks this time. No, it's just Starbucks. But, um, so, or Subway, sorry, Subway. 
bank or whatever you're doing, whatever you're interacting with like friends or whatever you're doing, like ask yourself that question. Did I bring hope into that person's life? Did I make that person's life better or worse? Did that person walk away feeling hopeful, hopeless or the same, right? This is the reason, this is our why. And here's a side note. I've been doing, I've been preaching for about 10 years now, in total time of preaching, 10 years. And I used to be obsessed with the numbers. I used to, don't get me wrong, like when, when, when the church is full, I'm happy. When this room's full, I'm happy. But I've, I've discovered something. That the joy that will last is the joy that I call in the pixel. Not in the big picture, in the pixel. Because if you're not happy, and I'm not happy by that one person who took that tiny step of faith, and that doesn't make your day, nothing will. I've learned that. That is so, so important. So I just want to share three quick stories. And it's not, they're not, I'm not going to give much detail, but we have three stories in our church that I absolutely love. Uh, number one, there's a whole family that in September, they're all committing their lives to Christ. The mom and the dad, they're getting baptized. They're dedicating their kids in a Spanish service. They started coming. It's, it's just, it's the best day ever. It's just, it's awesome. There's this girl, she was suicidal. So I'm not going to say her name, but she was suicidal. She wasn't participating in any church. She had a tragedy happen in her life. She came into our church, started connecting with some people here, and now she's doing so much better. She's doing so much better. Julieta, from our Spanish service, she had cancer. I love this story. She had cancer. We prayed over her. The cancer's gone. It's gone. This happened like a month ago or something like that. Those of you who know those details, and so... The reason why I say that is because this is why we do what we do. No matter what you're doing, if you're an elder, staff, growth group leader, serve team leader, on a team, we are here to bring the living hope of Jesus. That's why we're here. This is why we do what we do. People are hopeless without Jesus. So, now a challenge. Now a challenge. I'm going to list off all the serve teams that we have here at, at our church. Media. Actually, if you're part of that serve team, just raise your hand. And we're going to, if you're part of the media team. All right. <laughs> Loud and proud. Cafe, cafe. All right. Welcome. This, this would be uh, Amber and Kathy. All right. Where's the prayer team? Prayer team. Over there, yeah, yeah. All right, where's the worship team? Worship team. There you go, there you go. Where's the uh, children's team? Children's team, yeah. All right. Where's the youth team? Youth team, all right. Where's the young adults team? There you go. <laughs> all right, where's the evangelism team? I think we got one person over there. Yes, yes. Where's the facilities team? All right, yeah. All right, where's the missions team or worldwide outreach? There you go, yeah. Do you have anyone from the finance team here? Finance, over there, yes, yes. And last but not least, women's ministry. Yay! All right. So no matter what area of the church that you're in, here's, huh? Did I not say food help? I'm out of here. <laughs> Food health. Yeah! 
It's not. It's number four on my notes. I just didn't read it. I just didn't read it. Sorry. So sorry. I'm so sorry. See, now I can't say anything because no one will. So, so here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. I want you to think about this phrase that I'm about to say. I'm going I'm to end with this. This is going to. This is with this. We're going to start the the end part. This is the phrase that I want you to think about. Be what you want to see. Be what you want to see. That's not original with me. I stole that phrase, but it's a great phrase. Be what you want to see. First, First Corinthians 11, once, uh, this is Paul. He's saying this. He's saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. You see, we just started with our why. We understand now what our why is. People are hopeless without Jesus. That's our why. And here's what you may think, no matter what area you're serving in in our church, how does making coffee or setting up chairs or welcoming or signing people in or clicking on slides or collecting offering help anyone find hope? You can maybe make sense out of someone on stage, like, oh, they're saying stuff and like they're giving hope and because they're very visible, right? But I wanna, I wanna tell you that you may not understand how stocking communion cups may help anyone find hope in Jesus, but I want to tell you this afternoon that it's all connected. No matter what you do, you are playing such an essential part. And you may be saying, ah, Pastor, you're just saying that because you want us to serve in church. No, I promise you I mean that, and I want to explain it this way. You see, I want to, I'll go as far as to say that what you do that is not as visible as, as, as Francis, as Tony, as myself, as Mark, as anyone who's on stage, you that do something that is not that visible is more important than anything that happens on stage. Because here's the thing, we're the talking heads. We're the, talk, we're, we're the ones on stage saying the things that we're saying. But you guys, you guys hold the power to give us credibility or to take it away. That's the power that you hold. Because what we profess is only as strong as how you embody the message. You see, if I'm preaching on hope on a Sunday, and then someone walks out and interacts with someone on any of our teams, and they're not living out that hope, or they're like being discouraged or being rude, like that message is out the window. On the flip side, I might be preaching on hope, and someone's like, eh, I don't by whatever this guy is saying, but then they connect with one of you guys and they can see the hope of Christ in your life. No matter what I said, they're believing in the hope of Jesus. That's the power that you have. The same if I'm preaching on hope, I'm preaching on kindness, I'm preaching on generosity, whatever it is that we're saying on the stage, you guys are the ones that either give us the credibility or take it away. I tell, I tell Tony all the time, not all the time, but we've talked about this before that that people are gonna do what you do. It's a weird thing. They're gonna do what I do. Like if you, I, it's kind of a weird example, but like, Tony, if you want people to worship like this, right? You probably have to basically jump off the stage and go crazy. If you want people to, to go like this with their hands, your hands have to be all the way up. They're only gonna do about 50% of whatever you do. And the reason why I say that is because the same is true with all of us. You see, we're the leaders in this room. We're the ones leading. They're people that are looking at us. They're going to do what we do. That's the power that you hold. We need you. Our church needs you to be able to either give credibility or take it away. So here's the question I want to ask you. What kind of church do you want to be?
What kind of church do you want to be? We have seven core values at this church. Jesus is our pursuit. People are our passion. Hope is our flag. Worship is our spirit. Service is our heartbeat. Excellence is our standard. And generosity is our privilege. Those are our seven core values as a church. And you have to understand that these values are just words on a wall if they're not true in us. So I want to challenge you with that phrase. Be what you want to see. Be what you want to see. At our staff, we have a forbidden phrase. Do you guys remember what it is? People, you People I, that's great. I love that you remember that. The forbidden phrase that we have as a staff is people won't. People won't. People won't volunteer for children's ministry. People won't come to growth groups. People won't help in this and this and that. Why is that the forbidden phrase? The reason why that's the forbidden phrase is because people won't is a passive phrase that discourages action and it places the blame and abdicates personal responsibility. Even though it may be true, in some cases people won't, but it's not helpful to say that because it is a passive attitude. We need to replace that with, we have not led them to, because we're leaders. You see, we have not led them to is an active phrase that focuses on the solution rather than the problem. And it's about me, the leader, and how I need to change in order for the church to change. How I need to change in order for my, my teams to change. You see, we have the ability to create the type of church that we want or that God has placed in our heart to be. But it starts with us. It starts with us. You see, we're creating a culture here, a culture. And if you don't know what a culture is, a culture is that intangible thing that you walk into a place and you're like, man, I like this place. There's just something about this place. Or it could be the other way around. Like you walk in, it's like, man, I don't know what is going on in here, but I don't like it, right? That's a culture. That's the culture. So that we are culture carriers. We are the ones that carry the culture of our church. And these flow, our culture flows from the things that we value, intentional or unintentionally. So what do you want this church to be? We hold the power to, to turn that to turn the church into what we intentionally actively want it to be and so my challenge to you is be that be it we can say it but the challenge is be it if you want a church where Jesus is, is our pursuit make Jesus your pursuit if you want to be a church where hope is our flag make hope your flag if you want to be a church where generosity is our privilege make generosity your privilege if you want to be part of, of a church where people are our passion, make people your passion. This is the calling for today. Be what you want to see because we can't expect anyone to do what we're not doing because we are leaders in here. We are the leaders in this church. So, I know this can be a little bit overwhelming. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of values. So I want to give you two action items, two action items. I learned that, that phrase from you, two action items. I like that, uh, action items, right? Or application, we were calling it in a message. Two action items, two things that 
that will change the culture of our church overnight if we do? Two things, all right? And we've already started doing some of these. Number one, number one, you'll be able to memorize these, or you can take notes, but you'll be able to memorize these. Number one, make it your goal every Sunday to pray for someone. Make it your goal every Sunday to pray for one person. Here's the thing that happened to me. In church, I talk to a lot of people, you know, and people are sharing with me the, how their week was and things that they're going through. And my tendency as a pastor was to say, hey, man, that sounds, that sounds good, that, or that sounds like a tough week. Um, you know, I think you should do this, or, you know, trust in God. Um, I'll give them a scripture. Um, I'll say, I'll pray for you. And then something clicked in my mind. I'm like, why am I not just praying right now for these people? Like, I normally do it, but not always. Because here's, here's the thing that I understood. What could I possibly tell a person that would be more helpful to them than in that moment talking to God and asking God to intervene into that person's life in that precise moment? That has started to change our culture already. So I want to challenge you. This may be easier for some people and hard for other people. That you will make it your goal to come up to one person on a Sunday and pray for them that Sunday. You know when we, when we open the church and people are coming in, there's like a little bit of a vibe. People are talking to each other. There's like a murmur in the, in the background. And it's, there are people having conversations. I dream of that murmur being people just praying for each other. Just people praying for each other. This is going to change our, the, the culture of our church. So that's number one. Make it your goal to pray for someone. Because if you start praying for someone, then more people are going to want for you to pray for them, and then more people around you are going to start praying, and we're going to turn into a church that prays. That's number one. Number two, I want you to help me preach. And I want you to help Tony worship. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, this is very practical. This is, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. We're talking about be what you want to see. If you, if you want to, if you're, if you're a person that doesn't worship and you just like, that's fine. I, I don't want to change that. If that's how you're truly worshiping, that's fine with you. But I want for our church to turn into a church that worships with everything, with everything. Like, I don't want you to fake it. Like, oh, I'm going to act like I'm worshiping. No, no, no. If that's not who you are, I don't want you to fake it. But if you feel like you're holding back in worship, I want you to just let it all out. Not because I feel it, not because I like the music, not because I don't like the music. We don't praise God because we like the music or we don't like the music or we like the worship or we like Him. It's all great. We worship God because God is a God who deserves our worship. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay? So here's what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to come on Sundays and I want you guys to sit in the first rows. I don't want those, I don't want those first rows to be empty anymore. I don't want them to be empty anymore. Sit in the first row. And here's why. Here's why. Because people will do what you do. And I want them to be able to see us. I want them to be able to see us worshiping. Because when they see us worshiping, then they're going to worship. And then we're going to turn into a church that worships. Okay? So, be what you want to see. And the same thing that I'm asking to you, for you to do for Tony, and this is not for Tony, by the way, it's for God. I'm just, it sounds weird, but I want you to help me. I, I want you to help me. It's true. It sounded weird, but that's, it's, it's for God. It's for God. But, but I also want you to help me preach. Yeah. 
This is, this is a preaching thing, and it's weird. It's hard to explain from our perspective is that when I want you to, like, if you want to interact with me, just do it. If I'm asking a rhetorical question and you want to just answer the question, do it. If I say something that makes sense and you want to amen it, do it. If you don't agree with something, be quiet. <laughs> we'll talk later. But, but I, I, want you, I, want you, I want you to have that freedom. I want you to have that freedom to be able to preach. Like, it helps me preach. Like, I don't feel like I need to preach by myself. I want you guys to preach with me with me so you can amen and you can raise your hand like just wow. do it just do it. <laughs> not too much wow. though wow but that's that's you guys know what i'm saying right so we're talking about being be what you want to see be what you want to see and so what we, what we want our church to be we have to be that we have to be that okay so i'm going to close with this i'm going to close with this um I lost my. So I'm going to close with this. I, I, ta I talked about this a couple of Sundays ago, and then and then we're going to pray. A couple of Sunday go Sundays ago, I talked about this. I talked about a story of um, just a strange thing that veterans go through sometimes, where they miss war and they want they want to go back. They want to go back to war. They don't miss the war. They don't miss the tragedy. Tra they don't miss any of the horrible parts of war. What they miss is the brotherhood. They know that the people that they're at war, not against, but with, with, they're, you know, in the, in the platoon or whatever the name is, they're together, they're there for each other. They're there for each other. They would rather risk their lives in a brotherhood than play it safe out in the, in the world where relationships are just surface. And so that's what I dream our church of being. This place that is so attractive, it is so attractive that the hope of Christ is so prevalent that we become so attractive that people just want to be a part of it. And so this is the heart behind all of it. But it starts with us. We will only be collectively what we are individually. There's no way around that. And so I don't know what your next step is. I want to thank you guys for being here. I don't know what your next step is, but I do know that it is a step of further commitment. Maybe it has to do with Jesus being your pursuit. Maybe it has to do with hope or with any of the core values that we mentioned. But I want to challenge you, I want to challenge you to make this your church. Your, this is your space, this is your, and people will follow you, okay? Um, follow you as you follow Christ, which is very important because it's not about Tony, it's not about me, it's not about Pastor Mark, it's not about any of us. We are serving God, so you imitate us as we imitate Christ to, to the best of our abilities. And so, um, here's what I want to do as we close. I want to ask um, every person who um, is part of a, of a serve team, of a serve team, any, any person that is leading a serve team, uh, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. Of all the serve teams that I just mentioned, so there's a, there's a few of you, there's, there's quite a bit of you. Okay, so can you just stand where you're at? Can you just stand where you're at? Thanks, Marty. Sorry, dude. Sorry, no hard feelings. And so everyone around them, I want you to just, to just um, raise your hands toward them. We're just going to pray over them. We're going to pray over them, okay? And then we'll close. Lord God, we just thank you so much for these moments that we share. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. We thank you, God, for everyone who is in our church serving, everyone who's in our church just uh, trying to walk with you, Lord. I, I want to thank you, Lord, for all the 
the people that have decided and have been a part of teams for such a long time and also for the ones who have just now started to join a team, Lord God, I pray that you will cause a revival in our church like we've never seen before. And we will know that the glory will be all for you because you have shown up in our midst, Lord. We want to transform our city for your glory. We want people to find healing. We want people to find hope, a future. We pray, God, that this will be such a beautiful thing and that you will, your name will be lifted high and that this will be a space where people will be able to find what they are finally looking for, Lord. I pray that we'll understand that we are the leaders here. We're leading this church and that we will turn in to the people that you want us to be, Lord God. We thank you so much for this time. We thank you so much for this moment that we shared. We love you in Jesus' name. We pray. Now, God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. All right.